if you're asking when transformation ends, you're ask, you're asking the wrong question because transformation never ends. It's ongoing. Conquer local. It's really a breath of fresh air. Good times. I help leaders go from anxiety to authority under pressure. And then let's go and get it. It's an ecosystem. The hardest part here is going to be getting me to shut up on this one. Conquer local with Vendasta. Hosted by Jeff Tomlin. Welcome to the Conquer Local podcast. Our show features successful sales leaders, marketers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs who will inspire you with their success stories. Each episode is packed with practical strategies as our guests share their secrets to achieving their dreams. Listen in and learn highlights of their remarkable accomplishments and get tips to revamp, rework, and reimagine your business. Whether you're a small business owner, a marketer, or aspiring entrepreneur, the Conquer Local podcast is your ultimate guide to dominating your local market. Tune in now to take your business to the next level. I'm Jeff Tomlin, and on this episode, we're pleased to welcome Jen Swanson. Jen is a founder and CEO of TuckPoint Advisory Group, a collective of digital transformation experts who improve the class organization, integrate digital technology into all areas of their business to improve their operations and customer experiences. In 2023, over 70% of the Fortune 500 companies have embraced digital transformation from digitizing internal operations to leveraging cloud and AI capabilities and moving into digital-first consumer offerings. However, many companies stall out and never realize their ROI because they focus on the tech, forgetting that organizations and their operating models have to evolve too. Companies that work with Jen and TuckPoint see a total transformation from the C-suite all the way to the front line. In 2021, Jen was recognized as one of the top women in business by the Minneapolis-St. Paul Business Journal and Mentor of the Year by Team Women. Get ready, Conquerors, for Jen Swanson, coming up next on this week's episode of the Conquer Local Podcast. Jen Swanson, hey, welcome to the Conquer Local Podcast, and thank you for taking time out of your busy day to join us here. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. A pleasure to have you on, and and what great timing. You know, in but, you know, chatting with a number of our hosts lately, or rather our guests lately, um, I've, at the top of everybody's mind is this idea of transformation. And, and you know, particularly in the, in the technology space, you know, a lot of companies are going through a transformation right now, balancing this idea of growth and profitability, um, where, you know, in, you know, in the past few years, it was grow at all costs. And now, um, you know, it's yeah. not so easy to come by capital. So efficiency is super, super important. So it's a big theme in the tech space, yes. but it's not just the tech space. It's focusing on transformation no. it, that it's like almost all industry categories. So yeah. know, first off, let's start right at the top. When you talk about transformation, there's, you know, a couple different components as, as you define it. So walk us through when, yeah. you, when you're talking about transformation, what are the big components of it? And like, how do you define each of those pieces? Sure. Well, you know, I mean, I think in the last decade or so, the transformation word has gotten a little bit like, <laughs> you know, it's lost all meaning. The word has lost all meaning to many of us, right? Because it's everybody uses it in slightly a different manner. I think the technology part of it has become almost like the least meaningful part of transformation, right? So we walk around all the time talking about digital transformation and the digital part of it almost becomes the least interesting part of it because we all know, uh, you know, 
the digital transformation for me, when somebody says, well, what really is digital transformation? I talk about digital transformation is taking technology and making sure we are leveraging technology to the fullest in every part of our business. So it's not just, you know, in the old days, do we have a website? Are we e-commerce? You know, are we marketing online? Sure. That stuff's all table stakes now, right? Like nobody goes around saying, hey, we're going to have a web launch party, right? Because everybody right. assumes you're 24-7, 365 online uh, and nobody gets excited about that. The technology is ubiquitous. The parts that I think people don't talk about and frankly, where I'm finding the most meaningful work in consulting with companies is in the operational impact of transformation and the leadership, sort of the human side of transformation. You know, what is, what's the impact to the people, um, the organization, when you are trying to sort of keep up with the pace of the technology change in our world, right? So a lot of times what, what will happen is I'll talk to companies that, you know, it kind of doesn't matter what, what industry you're in, everybody's competing on experience. And when you're competing on experience, it matters as much about sort of how you're delivering your service or your, you know, your physical goods as it does how you're delivering you know, the billing and the the payment ability or the, you know, the servicing ability or anything that sort of surrounds the product itself. And that's the part that I think, honestly, has been the most overlooked as companies have transformed from a technological standpoint is forgetting what the impact is to operations and customer service and service delivery. And I think that's really where Frankly, most companies are catching up now and why we're still talking about this, right? Because yeah. everybody's sort of taken on digital transformation. Not everybody has taken on that operational part of things or that organiz- that op- operating model or that operational aspect of things. Let me ask you a question. So a lot of the companies that you're working with, is it typically like a, mm-hmm. a, a small component that ends up needing to be adjusted uh, or, or, or transformed, whether it's whether it's software or whether it's an operational practice, or or do you find that a lot of the companies that you're working with really need to change a number of different aspects of, of the way that they're, they're not just operating, but the way that they actually deliver things? Well, so Jeff, there's two answers to that question. Usually they come to me thinking it's one thing, but we I help them discover pretty quickly that it's kind of everything. It's it really it's really hard to just isolate and say, well, you know, if we can just we can just fix that one team or we can just fix that one process, it'll be fine. I find that generally when we are talking about transformation, it's kind of like pulling a sweat a thread on a sweater. You know, you kind of you pick at that one little thread and all of a sudden the whole thing comes unraveled, right? It's very hard. And and the reality is because most companies aren't built in like small, neat little isolated packages where you can just take sales over here and they're just working over here in this nice little silo and they're neat and, you know, kind of walled off. And then you've got your operations team and they're kind of walled off and you've got marketing over here and maybe you've got IT over there. That's not how companies function right now. And even if they are walled off like that, that's probably not working for them either. Right. Right. So the fact is, is that once you start pulling on any one of those parts 
you sort of sort of start unraveling the whole sweater and you can start to see where there's more systemic issues there's broader cultural issues perhaps there's broader leadership issues there might be some structural issues that teams are not cross-functional teams don't know how to work together um, one of the symptoms i i often see is this idea that you know business is over here working on stuff and they throw stuff over the wall at IT so that IT can fix things, right? And as soon as I hear that anybody's throwing anything over a wall, there's a problem because there should not be any walls in a modern organization, right? There should be teams working together towards a common goal. And so that's where you start to nitpick at some of the stuff and you start to realize there's broader issues than maybe a single symptom. Um, so I, I'll tell you what I'm hearing giving my you know the, the the perspective that I have and things that we tried to change in the past yeah. in, in our company find when we start trying to change something the projects always seem to get bigger and bigger it's sort of like the way that you're describing <laughs> you pull a thread and then yeah. at some point the project gets so big that it's like well we can't afford to do that um, and yeah. so my, my my question to you is as you start to pull the thread mm -hmm. on the sweater and, and unravel it, mm -hmm. how do you approach working through transformation in s sort of like, do you, do you break it up into bite-sized pieces? And like, how do you approach getting it done? Because like, I imagine, you know, it could be overwhelming to a, an organization as you sure. uncover more and more things that need to be changed. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's a couple of answers to that. One is that we look for um, repeatable patterns whenever we can, right? So the idea is that we try to suss out some things that we might be able to try in, I mean, you can call what you want. I don't really love the word pilot because there's some baggage with those kind of yeah. concepts, but the idea of like some front runner teams that we can kind of experiment on, right? And once those teams get good at it, maybe those teams help evangelize to more teams, kind of becomes like a, a good virus that can start to spread some of these behaviors and try different things, right? Yeah. So sometimes what we do is we say, we're just going to try it in a small, in a small scale experimentation and see what we can learn from it and then see if we can replicate it, right? And spread it around in a, in a, a positive viral sense, right? Yeah. So sometimes that's a way for us to limit our, our costs. I will tell you though, that the best way I have found to limit that, um, that cost exposure for clients is to have it be something that we co-create together. So what I bring to the table is a couple of experts who have been there, done that, got the t-shirt, right? Like we've yeah. been to that goat rodeo before. We know exactly how it's going to be run. We know exactly like where, where the clowns are going to pop out, right? And all of that <laughs> yeah. kind of stuff. But the but internally, they staff it with their people. So the manpower isn't all coming from outside the uh, outside the house, right? Yeah, the man and woman power is not yeah. all coming from outside the house and that we're creating it together. And that has a couple of really powerful effects. One is that, I mean, clearly it keeps the cost down, 
right? And we become a little bit of train the trainers on some things, right? Where we can come in with our expertise. Um, we can we can teach some key concepts. We've got, you know, sort of a lot of the tools and artifacts and like, again, that expertise, we can come in and teach a small group of people sort of what good looks like. And frankly, most organizations have a couple of people in engineering, um, in R&D, in, you know, in a nascent product organization, in UX design, who have worked in organizations that have run a product-led organization before or have done product management or have done some of these different disciplines before. And we'll say, put them on our core team for a while, right? Give Lighten their duties in their day job and ha- and give them to us. And, and they'll become a part of the consulting team, yeah. right? So it's, they're not seeing it on their bottom line. It's not an expense, right? Right. But we become the team then that is working together and we manage them to deploy it. And, and not only is that more cost effective, but it likes the, the hockey stick on adoption and feeling like it's coming from, in, you know, it's coming from inside their culture versus it being something that some, you know, wackadoodle consultant from outside, you know, that doesn't know anything about their culture is trying to do to them is very low because they feel like it's coming from their peers, from somebody who knows them. And so adoption goes way up and cost comes way down and we are, we're co-creating it together. And so that has really helped us. That pattern has really helped us to be way more successful in companies and do it at a lower price point. Yeah, that 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 makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I think about you know the agile sort of software method of building things, and you know if you've got a big yeah. project, it might take you three years to build a car, and your client needs some transportation. But in a week, you could build them a skateboard, and then you know maybe in in a yeah. in a month, you yeah. can build them a bike, and right, and you you can work your way yeah. there. And do it piece by piece. Yeah. And like taking that metaphor even further, they may think they want a car, but what they really need is like a, a motorcycle because they don't actually need a car or yeah. they need something different. They need an airplane. Right. Yeah. And so part of what you need to do is like kind of experiment a little bit and to do that with people who have some, you know, like they say, skin in the game, people who have their, you know, their vested interest because they're a part of the company and they're not just from outside because no matter how much you say, and frankly, like we mean it, we care a great deal about whether or not our advice is taken seriously by our clients. Like it's like, it matters to us personally, but like, you know, there's a lot of consultants out there that have ruined that line for us, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so like they have to see it to believe it. And they're much more likely to believe it when it comes from their peers inside the company. Right. Um, is it possible for organizations? Well, I, I think I know the answer to the question, but I'll throw it. Is it possible for an organization to work through a, a, a pretty large transformation? And is it, or maybe the, the right question is, is, is it typical for the, to see that they can bring costs down, operational costs down, and gain efficiency? Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or do you see that, that some, maybe some of the fixed costs typically go up, but the, the efficiency of their organization improves? Um, and does does it take time to get one or the other? So I'm going to be super honest with you, Jeff. I have never seen a total net like efficiency gain right now. What I have seen is that there are some areas where you get a huge gain, but they are off, off, often offset by expense increases elsewhere in the organization. Now, what I will tell you is that 
the efficiency gain may be in areas of lower value, right? Where, for example, um, in one of my one of my clients, um, we were working with a, an operations organization that was working on digitization, and they were spending a ton of money on call center staffing that was like literally like picking up the phone and telling and like telling people how to find a link to print out a claims form online. Like, do you have a computer? Can you go to this URL? Okay, click on the blue button. And then do you have a printer? Okay, print that claims form, fill it out and mail it in. Like that was, and they were doing that like 300 times a day. Okay. Yeah. That is an exceptionally expensive way to allow a customer to self-serve. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So think about that 300 times a day times 30 call center agents, right? Like think about how expensive that was. Now, that was offset. We, we, I'm going to, I'm not going to tell you that we eliminated 30 call center agents because we didn't. And a lot of executives at that client got real excited about the idea that they were going to see these year over year expenses where like 30 call center agents, we were going to be able to cut that headcount. It was going to be so exciting. No, but do you know what those 30 call center agents were doing less than six months later? They were spending time with clients telling them, helping them navigate really complex healthcare like choices and how to find people. So they're, they were taking, they had much longer call times, which, you know, if you've ever talked to anybody in a call center, what do you want? Short call times yep. so you can help more people. All of a sudden they were having these long conversations that were like very valuable to customers. So all the metrics went in the wrong direction for like what was typical but all of the value metrics were through the through the roof because clients were customers were way more satisfied. They didn't have to wait as long. They got white glove treatment from these customers because we freed up these call center agents to do the high value work instead of saying, click the blue button, hit print, fill out the claim, right? So we didn't have to hire more agents to do the higher value work. We shifted. And I think instead of thinking of what are you going to cut? Versus what are you going to gain? I think you have to start thinking about the value. Most companies have to think about a shift in value on both the expense and the revenue side, right? It becomes a shift towards value when you transform. And that's, I think, what's really powerful. And so in that process, you've just greatly improved the the customer experience, which is what we should all be focusing on at the end of the day. Always, yes. The only thing that matters is the experience that the customer has. And so that goes up through the roof. I I feel like you've answered my question because I was going to ask you, why is it important to focus on how work gets done in an organization? And, right. and that's yeah. clearly one of the answers anyways. <laughs> right, yeah. right. And so I think that's the other part, though, Jeff, that you're asking about is that I think it's really easy for a lot of companies to spend all their time thinking about the customer experience and no time thinking about the client experience or the, um, sorry, the employee experience either, right? So that same client that I had, um, in all the years that they had spent millions of dollars on the customer experience, super fancy website, all these bells and whistles that they could do really cool stuff on the website. Nobody had ever looked at what that was doing to the call center agents. And we sat down with call center agents and looked at it and they had had to serve one customer, sometimes had 30 tabs open on their 
on their brow, you know, on their desktop to serve a client because nobody had ever thought when we introduce a new functionality to the customer, maybe we ought to integrate it on the on the call center agents side of things. Instead, they would just make the call center agent open a new tab. How satisfied do you think those call center agents were? <laughs> and how crabby do you think they were every time they had to take a call, right? And so if we could spend a tenth of what we did on adding some new bells and whistles to a customer side of things to fix the agent side of things, we actually could put customer satisfaction through the roof. So if you don't pay attention to sort of that whole value chain, you start to miss some of these like really obvious low hanging fruit on how you can impact the customer experience. Well, there's that little bit of wisdom that everyone should pay attention to is that your, uh, your customers will never be happier than your employees. And, (laughs) and like, like there's (laughs) something to that. So you, you got to make the working conditions really, really comfortable. So that you're, you know, the team that's serving your customers is, is, you know, they're having a great time too. And, and they can deliver that service there in the mindset. Talk to me a little bit about the operating model. Um, You know, you, you guys, Mm -hmm. you know, focus on the, you know, the operational model in your, in your consultancy Mm -hmm. and that, you know, why, why is that important? And, and, and sort of what, you know, what, what's the work to be done around that? Sure. So just to, you know, make sure that everybody knows what I mean when I say operating model, it really is um, a, like, that's the nexus point of when we think about a company's strategy, right? Where to play and how to win the business model. How, how do they make money? You know, literally what's the interchange in the marketplace, right? Their people and their technology all coming together, And the operating model really is thinking about like, how is work organized and how does work get done inside of an organization? Um, I'll be super transparent. I have a bias towards um, product management versus project management. I am all in on product management with um, the, you know, (laughs) tightly coupled to agile software development, right? So I don't believe in agile without product and I don't believe in product without agile. I think that they go together like peanut butter and jelly or peanut butter and chocolate or however you like your peanut butter. Um, uh, and, and those two things together is my, are my bias as a, as a operating model. Yeah. And that idea of organizing teams around products and products can be things that are sold but they also can be experiences or capabilities or platforms that have to be managed over time, just like the thing that you sell, right? You may sell, um, uh, you may sell streaming services, right? Like a Netflix or an Amazon, but you also have to be thinking about authentication and you have to be thinking about billing and you have to be thinking about, you know, um, uh, security and safety and all of those different things all have to be managed because those are all parts of the experience, just like the the way that the movie is delivered to my eyeballs, right? And so um, all of those pieces together have to be managed and how those things are managed, that's really the operating model. So it comes down to teams and roles. Um, it comes down to sort of how all of that work comes together and is governed um, how things, how success is measured, um, how teams are funded, all of those pieces together are the operating model. And I think why that matters is that for many years, we've been bringing in technology that um, 
like, I don't know, Dave, I don't, you're a youthful guy. Maybe you don't remember this, but there was a day where you used to go, be able to go and buy software. It came in a box. Remember we used to talk about software out of the box, right? Yeah. Raise your hand. Not that young. (laughs) And you would like, you would put that disc into your tower and you'd be like, great. I got my software. Right. That's not how software works anymore. You, the minute you buy software, it's already obsolete. There's 1.1.1.1.1, right? That's going to be released tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. And if you're integrating that software with anything, it requires somebody to give it, I always think of it as care and feeding, right? Somebody who's going to tend that software over time and make sure it doesn't break anything else, that it evolves, that it continues to fill the needs of the company and of the customer. And so you have to structure a team around that. You can't just like plunk it on an old manufacturing model of a company that makes things, you know, in an assembly, makes software in an assembly line. You have to think about how you structure a team differently. And that's really when we're talking about operating model, we're thinking about what's the care and feeding of some of those elements over time? What's the people? What's the process? What's the funding? All of that kind of stuff. Right. So I imagine, so, you know, thinking pro- product first as, a, as opposed to project, it, it, like, it seems like that's a mindset. And um, 100%. And, yeah. and I, I would imagine that um, having that type of mindset probably gets you focused more on, on the experiences at the end of the day, whether that's an experience, the experiences that your team has uh, doing their, their, their work or that your customers mm-hmm. at the end of the day experience using those systems yes. too, hey? Yeah, I mean, I think that this idea of um, becoming a product-led organization is a concept that I think has been misunderstood. Um, in the last couple of years, this idea of product-led growth, that's a very specific term that yeah. applies to, I think, very few companies. You know, when you think about companies that are truly growing through the product with freemium, you know, different pricing tiers and things like that. That's a very specific part of the market that does not apply to a vast, vast majority of companies. Yeah. But being product-led outside of that idea of product-led growth, really all that means is that you are putting the experience at the center of everything you do as a company and that you are making decisions and valuing the experience of the customer, however you define the customer, above all else. That's not a bad way to do business, right? You are choosing to say, we believe that the experience is our competitive advantage, and we're going to make choices accordingly. What a great way to think about things. And you know, then your, your decision criteria when you're picking systems that you're going to use, whether it's a customer-facing system yeah. or an internal system, is what, what's going to give us the best experience or what's going to give our clients the best yeah. experience at the end of the day. Yeah, you know, and how you're going to integrate it. Is it going to improve the experience? Is that integration going to further the experience or is it going to get us further away from the experience that we want to deliver, right? Yeah. I mean, it kind of, it helps you make a whole world of decisions. Yeah. Um, we could talk about this for a long time. Uh, boy, we we've could. got, we've gone through a we lot of transformation just here at Vendasta, <laughs> all the different systems that we've used, uh, um, just integrating a bunch of new systems right now. And it seems like it's never going or never ending, you know, as you go, as you grow and go through different phases, you know, this, this constant change in, in the systems you use is, is sort of, um, it it, ne- it never ends, but you have to adapt as you 
grow it in different yeah. sizes. Ask. That is probably the adage that maybe that maybe we could end on. I'm sorry to interrupt, yeah. but the thing that I always have to say to people is that if you're asking when transformation ends, you're ask you're asking the wrong question because transformation never ends. It's ongoing. You know. Yeah. And you know, you know, we we say around here, or at least you know, in, inside of our walls, you you know, you you really ship your or your your structure. And not, not, it's not just your org structure, yeah. but the way that you organize how work is done, you know, that's what you ship at the end mm-hmm. of the day. And that's, you know, in terms of, of the experiences, right? And so it's, mm-hmm. it's important. Um, if you wanted to leave the audience with a, with a couple of takeaways, what would they be, Jen? Oh, boy. Well, I think, um, first of all, is um, it's not too late to start. I think there are leaders out there that are like, oh, we're just, we're so... We're so set in our ways. We're so, you know, we've been along, around for 150 years. We can never change. We're so, you know, we're old and we're stodgy. Like it's you, like it's just not true. I period. I can guarantee it. Um, it's never too late, and you can always start somewhere. There's always some place in the organization that you can start. Kind of, we were talking about like those front runners. There's probably people in your organization right now that wish that they could try something new, try to work in a new way, try to experiment with some different approaches to things. They have an idea and they don't know where to go with it. Like I can guarantee you someone in your organization is thinking that way. So if you can figure out how to tap into that, like you can start to find that little thread that you can start to pull on. So that's, I think, you know, I I think you're never, you're never too stuck in your ways and there's always somewhere to start. Um, And then I also think, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, and you don't have to go it alone, right? There's lots of people out there that have been, they've been to the rodeo, they know how to do this, and then you've got help, um, you know, whether it's peers at other companies that have gone through it, consultants that can help you, um, there really are a wealth of, there's a wealth of knowledge out there to help you with going through it. So that's what I would say. Change is difficult uh, when you're sitting there thinking about it, but it's not so difficult once you go do it. You know, my wife uh, made me finally get rid of my campfire Club Monaco sweatshirt that had 45 <laughs> holes in it and tattered, tattered arms and sleeves. But I, she finally threw it in the garbage and bought me a new sweatshirt. And you know what? It was all right. So. Yeah, uh, you it just got to jump okay. in and right. f- find a place to start. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Hey, it's an absolute pleasure uh, chatting with you on the Conquer Local podcast. Uh, Thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining us, Janet. And uh, if people wanted to continue the conversation with you and uh, reach out, how do they connect with you? Well, um, LinkedIn really is the best place to go. Tuck Point Advisory Group is on LinkedIn. That's probably the easiest way to go. I'm also at JG Swanson on LinkedIn. I think we're going to link to that in the show notes. And the other thing I will say is that um, I believe we're going to have a link. I've got a, a... like a white paper on transforming legacy organizations. So how we were talking about some of the, maybe some of the older organizations, they think they're too big or too old to transform. I, we just did a case study on one. So we've got a link to that, I think in the show notes that people can use. And there's a contact form there as well. We'll make that available to everyone. Jen Swanson, it's been an absolute pleasure. Take care of yourself. And I hope to see you back on the Conquer Local podcast down in the future so we can pick up the conversation. I would love it. Love it. Thank you so much, Jeff. I really had a good time. Hey, what a fantastic chat with Jen. You know, the first nugget uh, that I took away was around the initiation of transformation. You know, it's crucial to understand that transformation goes beyond technology. It involves 
operational impact, and leadership. Start the change process by identifying repeatable patterns, experimenting, and fostering a culture of co-creation. The essence of continuous transformation is another takeaway. You know, Jen said that the journey never ends. It's an ongoing process. Leaders can jump in at any point, encouraging innovation and seeking the necessary support to navigate the ever-evolving landscape. Embrace the idea that the pursuit of improvement is a journey without a final destination. If you've enjoyed Jen Swanson's episode discussing digital transformation, keep the conversation going and revisit some of our older episodes from the archives. Check out episode 623, The PepsiCo Way, Lifelong Learning and Leadership with Jorge Alzade, or episode 622, The Art of Traditional and Digital Marketing Strategies with Darren Anderson. Till next time, I'm Jeff Tomlin. Get out there and be awesome. You've been listening to the Conquer Local podcast presented by Vendasta. Tune in next week for a new episode. Guest discovery and produced by Suleiman Adam. Marketing by Rory Lawford, Brandon Moore, and Suleiman Adam. Executive producers, Brendan King, Jeff Tomlin, and Suleiman Adam. Recorded at Vendasta headquarters on the Canadian prairies.